This episode of the CZ Media Podcast is brought to you by Rancho Bravo Tacos. They have two convenient locations, Capitol Hill and Wallingford. I love going to Capitol Hill. I'll go order my food, whether it be tacos, burritos, or tamal. I love their tamales. They're fantastic. And then I'll go sit on the patio, enjoy my meal, and then wait for something interesting to happen. And given that it's Capitol Hill, something interesting always happens. If you don't have time to go to either location, you can always order through your favorite food ordering app, Uber Eats, Caviar, or Chow Now. They make it really easy to get all of your favorite items. So next time you're craving some delicious Mexican food, stop in or order. You'll be glad you did. Murder, torture, and mayhem. We hear about these things every day on the local news. But do you ever wonder what really happened? There has to be more to this story than the three minutes the news readers dedicate to it. One of my favorite podcasts does just that. It digs deep, finds out what really happened, and gives you that information. Sword and Scale. They're one of the longest-running and most popular podcasts dedicated to true crime. And today, I am super excited because I get to talk to the guy who started it. Mike Boudet created Sword and Scale to show just how depraved some people can be. And like the tagline of the show says, it's a show that reveals that the worst monsters are real. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the CZ Media Podcast. I'm Carlos, and today I, I'm giddy like a, a schoolboy. Well, do schoolboys get giddy? I think only schoolgirls get giddy, <laughs> I believe. Well, either one, I'm giddy like a school kid because I'm talking to the creator uh, and voice of my favorite podcast um, that I've listened to. I've listened to every single episode, and there's 153 of them. If I'm correct, Mike, it's yeah, somewhere it's hard to keep track. It's something somewhere in that range. I yeah. believe so. So I've listened to all of them once and I've listened to m- maybe 60 to 70 percent of them twice and then a few other ones three times. So I've so you're <laughs> just a crazy person is what you're saying. Um, yeah. And I'll, I'll, you know what? When I tell you how I listen to you, you're going to think I'm even more crazy. But. I want to introduce everyone to Mike Boudet. Hey, Mike, how's it going? 
Good. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on, Carlos. No, I mean, thank you. You're a super busy guy. Um, like I said, your podcast is humongous. So thank you for taking a few minutes to to chat with a dopey guy like me from Seattle. <laughs> well, I've I've actually thankfully had enough success where I'm not that busy anymore. I, I hire people <laughs> to be busy for me. So that's hey, that's a good dream, thing. right? Yeah, absolutely. Gotcha. That's uh, that's that's where I would like to be at some point. <laughs> if not for the show, for my for my marketing company, because a lot of the a lot of times a customer will say, hey, can you come and do this? And I have to drive across town and it would be so much easier if I just had someone to say, hey, can you go take care of this uh, task for me and not uh, have it chew up 20 percent of my day? You have to physically go to the place. Yeah. Do it online. Uh, yeah, I do. Because uh, I create a lot of uh, I create content. So it's either pictures uh, ah. Or videos, or you know, so if if, uh, if if a customer has something new or something that they want to, you know, even that they just want to talk about, because a lot of my customers are older that don't necessarily want to grasp how technology works. They don't know how that newfangled, <laughs> <laughs> newfangled technology as a shaky finger things as a yeah. shaky finger points towards uh towards that device. Yeah, so I, it's uh it, it's a lot of it's a lot of that, uh, but. Awesome. Thank you so much. So I'm um, I'm even more crazy than what you mentioned, because what I do is I listen to the show as I'm going to sleep. So I have yeah. my headphones in. I'm laying down and then I just fall asleep listening to the show. That's not advisable. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten a lot of emails from people that do that. And then all of a sudden. It's like a 911 call and someone's <laughs> screaming for their life. And that's how they wake up in the middle of the night. Yeah. So it's not advisable. That's happened to me quite a few times. Uh, and, and where I, you know, actually what, what I would say even something more scared, not, well, I don't know if you want to say scary, but something more impactful isn't necessarily like the 911 calls. It's your voice. It, your huh. voice is perfect. It's just absolutely perfect for the type of for the type of show you do. So if people don't know, which they should know, because I believe I've told my audience quite a few times that Sword and Scale is one of my my favorite shows. Um, give us a little rundown, the little 30 second of what Sword and Scale is. Sword and Scale is one of the first true crime podcasts It's one of the longest lasting true crime podcasts uh, in existence. Um, there were maybe three others when I started, mm -hmm. uh, and most of those have pod faded since, um, I started back in late 2013. The idea of, of this show came to me actually on my birthday of 2013, which is October 29th. Um, and I realized there, there's nothing else out there like what I thought I could do, which was to incorporate, uh, 911 tapes and interrogation audio and courtroom audio and interviews with those close to the case, you know, police officers and attorneys and uh, um, just anyone that, that could, you know, victims' families, anyone that could let, let the audience in on, on what happened and make the whole thing very immersive. So right. when the audience is listening, they feel like they're part of the story. And I don't know if you know this, but I mean, if you feel this way, but... Um, I think audio is so much more immersive than television because you're, you're listening to something and you're painting a picture in your head of what that scene looks exactly. like. Exactly. 
So it's very personal to the to the listener uh, that that picture that they're painting in their head, and it's and it's ex, it's exclusive to that listener. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. You know the all of the emotions that come through in the story, and all of the the, the really touching things and the really immersive parts of it are very very personal and become. Um, I don't know, just affixed with that person's psyche, <laughs> that listener's psyche. And so I think it's, it's a really cool medium because of that. And you could do a lot with it. Uh, that, and, and, and sort of like true crime is such a, a perfect uh, pairing for, for radio, for audio like that, because it's, Absolutely. you know, I call, right. I call true crime the, the, the purest, most, I guess it's the purest form of human drama, I guess is the, the best way to put it. Um, and it's real. And these are real things that have happened to real people. So I think it, uh, it tells an incredible story um, about the worst day of someone's life. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting uh, storyline right there. Yeah. It seems like it fills a, well, for me, it fills a couple, uh, a couple, well, I mean, if you want to call it, it's kind of, it seems a little bit uh, disrespectful to call it entertainment, but it, you, you know, everyone has the curiosity of a highly publicized case. You know, yeah. for example, I was watching the Aaron Hernandez Netflix documentary. And, every, you know, every, everyone's heard of this. But when you get deeper into it, it it's just fills that void for, curi- you know, the curiosity. And for it's morbid just curiosity. To, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the, the show definitely uh, fills that. And then. It, it turns, though, like once you get into the episode and like I said, your voice is just fantastic. It's just brilliant for 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 your show. It turns more in, from well, to me, from a morbid curiosity to a oh, my goodness, I start caring and I, I want to know. And sometimes when you think it's going to go one way, it tends it ends up being another. And that can either be even more devastating or it can be a you know what? I'm glad that. You know, this person ended up being, you know, uh, caught and and convicted and and things like that. So it 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 midway through for me, there's a shift between just morbid curiosity of hearing about these uh, horrible things to then having it be more of a human interest story and wanting to know what the the result was. And I'm curious. I'm wondering if the other people share that too, where, you know, you know the the cliche of everyone slows down when a car accident happens, yeah, but the rubbernecking uh, aspect. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the test would be is if someone actually got out, like the people who actually get out and try to help the person who just had an accident. I think that's in my head, that's where I am, where, you know, I, it's not so much of uh, I just want to know for the, for the heck of it more of to, I want to know because I get vested in, in these, uh, in these people. Well, there's always, you know, whenever a genre like this grows and and becomes sort of a mass appeal sort of thing, there's always a lot of criticism uh, that comes with it. And and one of those criticisms is the whole idea of exploiting uh, right. true crime, exploiting uh, these horrible events to to uh, for entertainment value. But I think that the other side of that coin, and the reason that I tell the stories the way that I do. Um, is to shake the laissez-faire sort of, <laughs> I, I guess, I don't know what the right word is, but the, the, I think that the, you know, for a long time, it seems like 
we're 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 sort of just jaded as a as a, yeah. a people watching the evening news with just horrors and the way that the way that these horrors are usually reported are so glossed over they're so uh just whitewashed and uh, not given the sort of respect that they should be given sanitized almost you would say sanitized for for you know the general consumption of the masses and then they go to a they cut to commercial where right. they try to sell you some toothpaste exactly. <laughs> or, or a Taco Bell big box. Exactly. And then they come back and, and then they have a, a, you know, a cutesy segment about some nonsense. Right. And the thing about it is I wanted to tell the stories where the audience is so immersed in the story that they actually start to feel the things that they should feel when they hear these stories. Right. Um, you know, early on, I, I was sort of sick, sickened by the, the, the news and the 24 hour news cycle and how jaded it seemed that the, the masses seemed to have gotten about these horrible uh, events that occur all the time. And and I wanted to shake people out of that and go, look, you, you know, you, you don't just uh, you're supposed to feel something here. You're not supposed to right. just uh, go on with your day. Yeah. Um, so that's 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 why I do it the way I do. it. And the in, in podcasting and having the freedom to be able to dive deeper and get more information is perfect for the genre because then you're able you're not limited to your three minute segment and making it uh you know a, a, making it safe for for mass consumption and that's one yeah. of the brilliant things about podcasting and like you said before where you get to listen in your in your head you're painting your picture um i wish more people you know I read this article that said that there were about 700,000 active podcasts at the mm -hmm. moment here. Yeah. yeah. But in my social circle, there are only a handful of people that actually listen. And I've been trying to encourage people to find podcasts that they, you know, because they say, like, what am I going to listen to? I'm like, you can listen to anything that you're into. You're into movies. Boom. Thousands of them. You're into pets. You're into plants. Uh, you can find a show for anything, and I really encourage people to, to to find stuff because then it's you're you're not just sitting in front of the you know a TV watching a dopey show <laughs> like yeah. 90, like Ninety Day Fiance, uh, you're actually you know getting some sort of benefit out of it. The the wonderful thing about the internet and things like YouTube and podcasting uh, and live streaming and things like that is that you have uh, this ability to find all these little niche interests that you have that people are out out there create you know creating content for right. actively creating content for and you're able to find that specific thing that um you're interested in unlike what we used to have i mean i'm i'm 45 years old we i grew up in a time where you had you know like maybe five uh, major networks, yeah, and and then you had PBS and some other right, <laughs> some other crap, and that was it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you had UHF on the other end of that dial, and then came you know the little black box with HBO. Oh. All of a sudden, I was like, wow. And then Playboy Channel, but you had to scramble. <laughs> you had to scramble. You had to watch the scrambled. Uh, <laughs> see, that's where. Boobies. See, yeah, I, I think that's something that, and I'm not uh, equating this to to uh, to you know pornography or to or to. Uh, to that but i'm 41 so we're pretty much in the same boat and you know the having to come up with ways to do stuff was the mission of 
my life as a kid. Like, how can I do this? Because I don't, I, I need to figure it out, whether it be, you know, finding some pictures of boobs or whether it be trying to figure out a way to go there's see a, little, a show. There's a little switch inside that box. If you opened up that box, there's a little switch. And all you had to do was, was flip it? it. And then, see, yeah. there you go. I didn't have Google. <laughs> yeah. If I didn't have Google, the figure, my, my dopey friends no. and I didn't know. You had to know that kid, that yeah, kid down the block, the right. weird one that just knew those things. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, I hear you. Um, but as a kid, I listened to, I was a total radio guy as a kid. And um, when, so I grew up right outside of Chicago. Uh, when Howard Stern came on the air, I, well, he was probably already there when I was when I was a kid. But I used to be, you know, eight, ten years old, my mom driving me to school and listening to Howard. And, yeah. you know, and this is classic Howard. This isn't Howard of now. Right. Which, yeah, he's changed quite a bit. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, like, it makes me sad a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I was a humongous Stern fan for over 30 years. And, you know, I, I like to say that my having self-deprecating humor is an amazing uh, skill to have. And not taking yourself seriously. So, and that's actually one of the biggest takeaways that I did get from being a Stern fan for so long was not taking things seriously, being able mm -hmm. to laugh at yourself. Uh, and it just seems like everyone who, you know, a, a lot of, well, I don't want to sound too old, but a lot of these kids now who are, you know, 25 and under, they have zero ability to do that. And how you mentioned earlier where you wanted to sort of wake people up to, the the realness of you know the 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 short news story it seems like because there are there they aren't able to process information the way we learned how to process information they go mm. completely berserk they go bonkers and then they start their groups and their mobs and then complete nuttiness happens and it's you know they they don't have that ability to just step back and it's like, okay, what are we really doing here? And uh, that that's well, one of the main differences that I see from someone who, and obviously this is very anecdotal, but someone who yeah. didn't have what, uh, or, or, or had to process information differently like I did as a kid. What I see happening, so, you know, like I said, you had that sort of jadedness of, of society because you just had this, this watered down coverage of things through the major news networks, which were basically, you know, set up with committees of, of we're, we're going to air this, we're going to not air this, we're going to do it this way. And it's a committee that decides how this is all right. done. And what's happening now is that people are coming together and creating these, these sort of censorships uh, uh, to material themselves on things like Twitter and Facebook, where they're, they're going out and seeing things because of all the uh, amount of media that's being created by regular people like yeah. you and me, they go, no, this isn't like what I think <laughs> should be out there. So we let's take this down. Right. Let's. So they're acting as sort of like the world's censors. I, I was on a show yesterday called um, uh, Killstream, and one of the co-hosts on there uh, had a great term for it. He called them uh, 
internet hall monitors, yeah. which I thought was hilarious, <laughs> you know? And everyone uh, hated the, mo- the hall monitors as a kid. Yeah, they were the, the goody two-shoes that the, they, you know, sucked up to the teacher. They were the ones outside the classroom, you know, uh, banging the erasers together. Exactly. To, cl- to clean them up for the, for the teacher. Trying yeah. to make the teacher happy. Yeah. While being perfectly willing to point fingers and have zero friends. Like that's yeah, that's what exactly. these people are. Well, actually, I just but, read but, some article that some Canadian colleges are paying students to report any activity, any social media activity that might not follow a certain guideline. Like flat on snit, they're putting snitches on payroll. They used to do that in Nazi Germany. You know, <laughs> they, would, they would come after you. They wanted you to report your neighbors. You know, for for being the wrong uh, the wrong type of people. That's just and then now we're doing it. Yeah, we're doing it online and, and Facebook. and it's, I think everybody just needs to look. You're not being um, forced to do anything. Right. You can you're turn it off. Forced. Yeah, you, you can turn it <laughs> off or, or just find something else that appeals to you. You don't have to go and censor things that, that don't appeal to you and tell people what they should think or what they should consume. Or It's not up to yeah. you. I mean, I think a lot of people have this sort of over... Uh, just a sense of self-importance that's out of touch with reality. Yeah, and it, it's like I don't know. We, I mean, this question has been asked a hundred times or thousands of times, but it's like, what's going to need to happen for that shift to take place? To people start prioritizing um, freedom of speech, and you know, you know, I'm a huge Dave Chappelle fan, just huge. Yeah, and he recently uh, he won the 2019 Mark Twain Award for for humor. Um, have you seen any of of the the video that came from that from that uh, event? I saw the latest the latest uh, special he had, which was just one of the funniest it, things. Absolutely, I've ever seen. just brilliant, just absolutely brilliant. But I would recommend that you um, it, they're on YouTube, but they do they broke it up into segments of people who were who were just talking about him during the the award ceremony, and his. His monologue while he was accepting the award where he made a really he encouraged people to separate the content from the person. And he expressed how important comedy was because comedians, he separated the craftsmanship of being funny with the content that they were saying. And, you know, obviously everyone in the room was a huge Chappelle fan, but I will wager a whole ton of money that if he had said that in a college to separate mm-hmm. the content from the craftsmanship of comedians, he would have gotten tomatoes and everything else thrown at him because yeah. that ability to separate that just isn't there. And I sort of think that Dave, Dave's type of humor is, you know, nudging the, 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 you know, the arrow, the pendulum or whatever, however you want to say it a little bit more to where, it's it's there's there's some pushback at least now where maybe there wasn't there's some pushback from a high profile person where maybe there there wasn't that a, a couple years ago um but yeah i love i, I love chappelle i think it, what you said there uh, about colleges is is pretty uh, on point i think it, i don't have any kids but if you know if i ever decide to to have some kids i'm going to encourage them not to go to college yeah. because what do you get you're going to pay $200,000 tuition to go be indoctrinated into some sort of leftist activist group. Yeah. And they're you know, not even, 
they're not even per, they're, they're not even pretending to not be anymore. No, they're no, flat you got out. professors on Twitter <laughs> basically saying this is what, you know, I try to tell my students that if you if you uh, if you have these ideas, get out of my class. Yeah, you're going to so fail. You're like, yeah, <clears throat> well, there I was, don't. you know, like I said, I'm in Seattle and uh, we what was it last year, about a year and a half ago, Evergreen State College, which is one of the looniest colleges, had that huge uproar over a very, very liberal professor saying that it maybe wasn't a good idea to have white people, white students stay at home day. <laughs> he got a huge backlash for saying maybe that was, maybe that's not, maybe we, we, we should have, you know, tell people to stay home just because they're white, but they cannibalized this guy. They ate him. And I think he left. I'm not, I'm not sure, but you know, that, that just, it, it just shows how we, nutty we've lost our minds. <laughs> Society insane. has lost. Absolutely. It's mine. Well, um, and and actually, Mike, before we go on, you tell me when uh, when when uh, you've had enough of me, because <laughs> I I can get carried away. Um, oh, that's so. Fine. You mentioned that you had the idea for the show on your birthday. Like, were you yeah. watching Dateline? <laughs> it's really sad. It's a really sad story. I was sitting outside my uh, my backyard. I have a. I, I used to I used to live down in Miramar, Florida. Uh, on a lake and I had these ducks that would come out of the lake and just kind of like uh, waddle about and I would feed them. Oh. Um, and I was, uh, I was happy. I was, I guess, I guess you would call it a bit of a midlife crisis moment. Um, I was kind of separated, uh, going through a, a divorce, um, at the time and sitting outside feeding the ducks, having a martini, <laughs> uh, on my birthday, I Were was in a bathroom job. No, I was not. Thankfully, no, I, I wasn't uh, showing off any any naughty bits. But, I, you know, I was going through a, a rough, rough time. I, I was in a dead end job. I hated it. I had taken um, I had taken a series of pay cuts. And then uh, ever since the dot com bust back in 2000 mm-hmm. um, and I had already gone through one divorce and I was go- about to go through a second. And I was just uh, miserable. And I was thinking I, I need to do something. I need to. Do something or check out, and um, and and I I had I had experimented at that point I had experimented with podcasting several times I'd done about three other uh, podcasts which were of different types different genres, and I and I wanted to come back to it eventually I'd always thought I'm going to do this eventually but when I do it, um, it's going to be an idea that is original that I come up with that's that I think is, is really, uh, worth doing because before that, one of the, uh, one of the, uh, the more successful podcasts I had done was basically a carbon copy of uh, this other one called mysterious universe. It's about, uh, UFOs and aliens and Ooh. Yeti and all that nonsense. So I, d- I did, um, uh, I did one that's very similar to that. I even copied the name to some degree. I called it, uh, universe of mystery. Okay. So <laughs> it was really just, uh, Completely unoriginal, and I, I didn't feel good about doing it. So when I shut it down, I thought, I'm going to do this again, uh, and I'm going to do it right, but it's gonna it's only going to be when I come up with the right concept, the right idea. Right. And then eight years flew by. Wow. Uh, and it wasn't until I was sitting out there uh, having some drinks by myself on my birthday that I thought, you know what, I think this is a good idea. And... <laughs> Within a, a month and a half, I had the website up. I had logo. I had um, 
the first couple of shows recorded, and I launched January 1st, 2014. Wow. So that all happened rather quickly. And actually, yeah. I, you know, I wrote on my notes here, I wrote down that logo is super cool. And I'm assuming you're uh, referring to the broken doll. Picture. Now, the logo meaning the uh, the emblem with the oh, gotcha, uh, sword. Gotcha. And, uh, yeah. I was curious about the the image that you use for the show with the broken doll because that is mega creepy. I like the <laughs> I, I like that motif. I just think it's it it uh, encapsulates a lot of different things. It's first of all very creepy, very horror movie like, yeah. and then it also um, we've gotten a lot of uh, we've gotten a lot of criticism because we do a lot of stories that involve very small children, yeah. toddlers, babies, even right, and uh, those are some of the some of the worst stories, some of the more impactful stories, because when you're dealing with a victim that can in no way protect itself, uh, you know, a small toddler, a small baby, there's no way that they, mm. they, they need a, a human being, an adult right. to, to care for them. Those are the, the worst ones. And also one place we never go because of that very reason. Uh, and it's just wait, believe it or not, it's, it's past the line that our audience will accept is we don't do stories about uh, cruelty to animals. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, or if there's a, a story that involves that, we, we take a lot of care to warn the audience that it's coming up. Because you, our audience can listen to, you know, several dozen stories of babies being <laughs> dismembered, but you, you hear one about a cat? Oh, forget it. No, they're checking out. That's that, it. They're unsubscribing. That yeah. is, I mean, okay, I'm going <laughs> to... I just don't, I don't get it. Right. It's really Doesn't make weird. any sense. I wonder. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Uh, you know, I obviously I am very, I'm in the vast, vast minority of the people who think that, uh, you know, it's probably worse. If something happens to a kid versus something. Uh, yeah. It's, I, it, it's a strange thing when, when friends, when I, when I we're out with friends and a conversation of that comes on, I keep my mouth shut. Like I never, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's friends. probably because <laughs> most people have the experience that that baby or may grow up to be to be a, a jerk. Yeah. So, <laughs> you right. know, a, a puppy's always just going to be a cute little animal, a cute little fuzzy animal. But uh, yeah, people absolutely. are people. It's it's really weird. So you you had a you had a, a bunch of shows, a few shows ready when you launched. Um, like what? Did you do some practice shows before then? Before then, or were the did you decide on a particular case? Like, what's the, what was your workflow, your process for those first few shows? Well, I already had the the basic idea for the formula in my head. Oh, okay, um, because it was it was pretty much a very similar formula to the universe of mystery show that I had pr prior to that. Are it those had, still are those still searchable? They're only they're available, but they're only available on our plus. Oh, okay. uh, plus is our our platform gotcha. for premium content, which it's like starts at five bucks a month, and you get all this extra bonus stuff. So we put it up on there for for supporters that if they want to listen to it. Um, there, some of them are pretty cringy. I mean, because this is really <laughs> early on, <laughs> but it was you know it did serve as a as a practice, a test bed for what I eventually right. ended up doing. So when I started Sword and Scale, I basically took that same formula made it longer and made it about true crime. And, uh, and then I, I, you know, throughout the first couple of seasons, I, I tried different things. We did, uh, early on, we tried to do like a little sort of cutesy news segment 
with uh, that was more lighthearted and maybe had a, a little bit of humor right. in it. Um, you know that I didn't I didn't particularly care for it. Some people <laughs> liked it, but uh, but we we did experiment yeah. quite a bit. Try tried different and things. And that's super and, important to yeah, even absolutely. though you have an idea in your head to be able to say you know what uh, I'm not digging this and then switch uh, switch switch gears. Um, I used to I used to I was in software sales for a really long time. And one of my sales directors, even though everyone hated him because he was kind of a kind of a douche, he would say he had these um, he called them my five rules for success. And the first one was develop a plan and implement it like your hair is on fire. And then the Hmm. second one was review the results. And if they're not working, switch plans and implement it like your hair is on fire. (laughs) So, I mean, it's kind of a it's kind of a dumb way to say it, but it's good to be able to be open, honest and open with yourself to say, you know what? My initial idea wasn't great. Let me do something different. Um, I did. Even the- if it is great though, I think you need to be able to experiment. You need yeah. to keep in order to keep things fresh and, and not get stale and boring. You do have to keep trying new right. things. Try. Well, know, we, I mean, in, we mentioned Howard earlier. He's sort yeah. of the, I mean, he's, he's, he's been doing that for almost 40 years now and, there's something to be said about that longevity and and in doing a show like well for radio he was on four hours a day. Uh, when I first started, I I wanted I knew I wanted to do a show, and the in uh, let's see 19, 2018 in two thousand eighteen is when I started. But I thought that I wanted it to be like almost really scripted, like have it be mm-hmm. inspirational, like because of my first show was about creativity, so I had on a music. Uh, engineer to talk about you know the artist that he's worked with but as I heard as I listened to it I'm like I have no idea what I'm talking about and it was way <laughs> better when I would just go off on these tangents and who knows where I would end up so then you know the I, I stopped doing it for a while and then I picked it back up last year and just you know finding a rhythm and I'm still doing it I'm still just finding a rhythm of what See, it is I was I- I was the other way around. I started it off and I was like, man, it'd be really great if I just got on the microphone and talked for an hour <laughs> and then put it out. there. It would be done in an hour. I could just go do something else. But immediately it was like, no, what makes it special, what makes it different is the fact that you're incorporating all of this immersive exactly. audio and, and telling a, a very uh, well put together story with um, some twists and turns and some, some shocking moments and, and all that, uh, along with the music and all that. And that wasn't going to be possible on, in a no. sort of live in a, format, in a freestyle kind uh, of way. And so, no. plus it also, it gives me an advantage though, because it's, uh, there's a barrier to entry there. There's a million true crime podcasts out there where it's like two guys drinking beer, talking about a, a murder case right. they read a, on Wikipedia. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's pretty easy to do, but it's also pretty easy to copy. It is. So there's and you know what? I consider doing something like that of li- just exactly what you said, where me and a buddy would just talk about it. But you know what my problem was is that I could never find a friend that would actually put the effort <laughs> into really researching a case. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's no, hard. I I did. Uh, uh, that's my life. Tell me about it. <laughs> I I used to be I mean, I've always been a creative person. I used to be in a band. Um well, when I say I was in a band, it, I basically wrote all the music, played almost all the instruments, <laughs> learned how to engineer so I could make, you know, record my own you music. You were the and, band. But, yeah, because I couldn't find people that had the same motivation. Yeah. Um, and maybe, you know, I grew up in South Florida. Maybe it's the heat down there. Maybe it's the fact that there's just so much to do. 
Um, There's the beach. That, yeah, nobody has you know, the beach or the club. Or, you know, nobody has the motivation to actually put in the right. work to to get to a certain point down there. There's a lot of people that just kind of just piss off piss off their whole lives down there and, and don't don't ever do anything. It, I, I um, mean, that's I think that is definitely a, a, a wide. Uh, uh, that a lot of people have in common. And what yeah. gets me is that when I, when it comes to anything creative that I do, um, you know, I'm a photographer. Like I said, I, I make video, I make uh, client videos. What gets me is that I make this and I, you know, I share it. <clears throat> and then I get these comments of like, oh, why didn't you do this? And like, oh, why didn't you do that? It's like, <laughs> you know what? I don't want to hear oh, it. Everybody's a critic. Everyone, yeah. everyone is, everyone is like that. And I do a pretty good job of tuning all of that stuff out. But every once in a while, it really gets me, and it, it gets me mostly with my eh, calling them creative friends is a is a is a stretch. But with the friends where I've you know said, hey, let's go just make something, and they're always too busy or they're always doing anything. Like those are the ones that really get me. Where I just in my head, I'm like, listen, you prick. I've asked you tons to come and do stuff with me, so keep your mouth shut or do stuff with me so that you can then uh, uh, have an opinion in the, cre in the creativity of this. But, you know, again, it's like we were talking about before. It's just it's the easiest thing in the world to destroy, to bring down, and to actually create. It, 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 takes, it takes a lot more. It seems like there's a lot of people these days, though, that are their only mission is to, is to destroy instead of create. Absolutely. Uh, if you look at... You look at a lot of people, a lot of the trolls, I guess you would might want to call them that on, on online, who all they do is criticize. And then they and then the fun part of that is, is when they, and it's hard to not to get upset about it, but all they do is criticize and then they criticize you for not being able to accept criticism, <laughs> which is the funny part. And the criticism isn't even constructive. It's just like you suck. It, this absolutely. show sucks. So it's <laughs> People like that just, ugh. It's, you know, could it possibly be the fact that the the decrease in use of the English language has just made, it's just conditioning people to be that way? Uh, I, I, I've I found that the people who are the most proficient at using emojis or in uh, abbreviations of stuff have the hardest time having a real conversation. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's funny because there's this whole, again, I, you know, that show I was on, the Killstream, uh, it's, um, it's a guy that uh, he used to, he used to be a YouTuber before he got kicked off of YouTube. And there's a lot of those people nowadays that are um, ex-YouTubers, ex but now they're on DLive yeah. or uh, one of the other uh, platforms. Um, and that, that whole community is, it's weird. It's a strange community. Um, it's a lot of them are, are, are into, uh, are sort of intermingled with the gaming community. Yeah. And a lot of those same people are all, uh, the ones that are actively on 4chan or, or Reddit or one of those weird corners of the internet where they basically have their own language. Like there's all these terms that I'd never heard of before, but you know, you kind of got to go on urban dictionary <laughs> to find out what the, what they're saying. <laughs> Um, you know, like, uh, in, incel was one of the ones that now it's become pretty, yeah. 
pretty that's, popular that, with all the shooters that was and stuff like that. Big time. But there's all these other ones like Chad and Stacy and like I did a, a, an episode where I'm talking to one of those guys and and I'm going, well, what the what the hell does that word mean? <laughs> so they're, they're explaining the language. Then I to feel me. old. <laughs> yeah. Okay, boomer. So. But there's too many. There's too much. Like I can't. I yeah. can't. I'm not gonna. I, I got a lot of other stuff to do than to worry about what uh, other people label stuff. Like for it's interesting though because it's the internet has done this. The internet is now changing society in on such a rapid pace it's changing the actual english language yeah it's 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 pretty amazing to watch i'm not a fan i don't think <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty uh i'm I'm, a, I'm pretty traditional when it comes to a lot of stuff and the the how stuff is going it's like oh my goodness it's like what what like what's the end what's the end game here what's the what are you trying to do and yeah. it's, a lot of it is self-serving. A lot of it is uh, is taking very small groups of people and trying to bolster it and make it seem like a, like a like there's way more. I don't. Know. I mean, you can go like into anything, like you know, furries or whatever. It's 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 <laughs> it's a it's a lot. It's a lot of nonsense. <laughs> but you can almost tell where what sort of internet faction someone's from by the language they're using, yeah. you know, by the memes that they post, by the the it, it's it's really a strange you know, I used to say this um a few years ago. Uh it's kind of an old joke at this point, but um people that used emojis a lot when phones first started having emojis and they would text with the emojis. Right. It was almost like we were devolving into a form of hieroglyphics. Exactly. Uh, you know, <laughs> devolving our language into little smiley emojis and little, you know, hands and Yeah. We've uh, thumbs up. <laughs> we're better than this people. <laughs> well, I think I think so. You know, it's so I'm again, I'm in Seattle and when we're amongst my social circle, I I I talk when I censor myself a ton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have to, man. You're in Antifa country out there. I, you know, it's, and you know, and it's not like, it's not anything crazy, but you know, everyone is, and not that I'm being political here. Like we mentioned before that I don't get political, but me being Brown, uh, I look like a full on native. I'm Mexican, uh, but I look native. I have long hair. I have a pronounced brow. Yeah. So because they put me in, because I'm Brown, and, and look this way, they automatically put me into this box where they feel 100% confident telling me their real feelings about pretty much everything, whether it be government or whether it be, you know, the, you name it. And then I just, you know, the, in strangers too, which is really, really, really strange. And then sometimes I just, yeah. I hear them and then I nod or smile or say, oh, but I'm really curious what would happen with one day I said, you know what? I'm pretty sure you felt comfortable saying this because you're looking at me and you see me brown. But actually, I 100% disagree with everything. I think I'm going to say that <laughs> once just to see, just to see what happens. And, and uh, I will, you know, I should probably video it to see what the what the response is. But that's sort of my bueno, my yo, life here. Yo, yo soy cubano. Oh, <laughs> didn't expect that, did no. you? <laughs> um so yeah, how I'm, do you I'm of Cuban descent so I'm uh sort of in the same boat. Do you uh so Florida you know the my only 
Cuban knowledge is that the Cubans make one fantastic sandwich. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> I a, should know it's more about it. I should know more about it. Do you, how, ¿Cómo está el español? ¿Si hablas bien el español? Uh, un poquito. No, oh, look no at tengo that. You got the... Much, mucha. Did you grow up speaking <laughs> Spanish or around uh, uh, Spanish-speaking people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, my my both of my parents are were born in Cuba and came oh. here when they were in high school, met in high school. Um, I uh, I I that was my first language as a toddler, and then I entered school and never spoke it again. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. I, uh, that's that's very interesting. Do you so would yeah. you, have you considered doing shows in Spanish? No, I'd be terrible at it. I I I literally don't. I get confused a lot with the the words. I, I had I haven't practiced in a long time. I don't have anybody. I I, I don't. Um, I taught myself how to speak perfect English radio broadcast oh, okay. uh, 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 dialect. I guess you would call it or, or whatever. Just because I grew up in a, a place where you would see um, immigrants come from not just Cuba, but all, all over South America and, and Central America. And then they would live there and only speak Spanish. And you would see like these kids that, that basically were born in the States, not know how to speak English yeah. when they were teenagers. And it was just like, I don't want to be that. I, I, I live here. This is my country now. Right. Let me assimilate. <laughs> and I was born in the States. So I could, I've always considered myself an American first um, of, of Cuban descent. Uh, I wanted to, be part of the American experience and, and, and basically not stand out as a, as an outsider. Yeah. So I, I basically assimilated myself. Is that is uh, with other Cubans, when you, when you just said you consider yourself an American first with, when you're, when you're in, you know, w w with, with a group of Cubans, do they look poorly on that, that you consider yourself an American first? Have you ever had an interaction like that? I don't, I don't know of any that have. I mean, all of my friends are, are sort of in the same boat in terms of, uh, you know, the people. I, I have I have pretty much a small circle of friends from South Florida, and they're all people that um, you know they've done very well for themselves professionally. They they also do speak, you know, very well English. They're not. They they didn't just sort of fall into this victim mentality yeah. when they got here and decide that the, you know, they're. I don't know. I think I think it's all about your perception right. and, and how you how you perceive yourself and how you pull yourself out of um, what otherwise may be a, a bad yeah. situation. The, the reason that I ask is because I classify myself similarly where I'm an American first Mexican. I'm an, I'm an American Mexican, even though I was born in Mexico. Um, I, I my parents don't speak any English. They still don't. I remember going to yeah. preschool, not understanding anything that was happening. Uh, I, and that's really an interesting memory that I have of going to school, following people, following the kids in a line because they were in a line and then standing in front of the room, not knowing and then having this lady come up to me, say something. I gave her no reaction. And then she took my hand and then sat me down like that's I, I remember that as a kid. <clears throat> and then uh, I don't know. My mom says six months later, boom, I could speak English. And when mm. I classify my when when we talk about this and I'm like, I'm an American, my Mexican 
friends, not so much of the family because of the family's been here for a long time, but they'll, you know, say, why? Why are you, do you consider yourself an American first and Mexican second? I'm like, well, one, I became a citizen in 2004 and I'm really, really proud of that. And I am yeah. 100% gear, I am 100% sure that my life is a million times better because I came here versus if the yeah. family had decided to stay in Mexico. And the, I, I get these looks, like, how dare you say that? But, I mean, deep down inside, it's they know it's true. It's just uh, yeah. not common to find someone <laughs> like me that'll actually that'll actually say it. There's a lot of that in a lot of different groups. Right. Um, that there's they look down on you for considering yourself an American. It's sort of this this um, shunned thing, and it's un, and it's unfortunate because you're excluding yourself from um, a lot of opportunity by <laughs> by just yeah. trying to shun. You're that limiting away. yourself you know, and isolating you yourself yeah. for for no reason and, other than pride. But come on. <laughs> There's a reason why my parents came here and my grandparents came here. My grandfather was a doctor in Cuba, uh, a, a pretty famous radiologist that everybody, um, you know, all the Cubans in Miami knew my, my, my grandfather's name. Um, so he came here fleeing a communist regime and left everything they had behind, came here not knowing how to speak English had to re teach himself a new language, put himself back through medical school again while supporting uh, his family. Um, you know, don't tell me you can't yeah. do that. Don't tell me you can't. You can't. I don't want to hear I'm it. I'm 100% know? on board. And then created wealth for, for himself and his family while here. Ended up buying my mom her first house, her first house, which she still lives in to this day for... I believe it was about $18,000. That house is now worth half yeah. a million dollars, <laughs> you know, uh, bought his own house across a, a block away for 7,000, a few, a, a few years right. before that. And again, that, that house was recently sold for half a million dollars. And, and then I can, and then my, my mom, uh, was divorced when I was pretty young, put herself through college while raising me, mm. uh, ended up, you know, with a good job supporting me and, and giving me a chance, putting me through private school. And then I think I'm the extension of that, creating all of a sudden a, a successful company, right. a successful name for myself, and um, not only building a, a fair amount of wealth for myself, but I have a, a, a company with nine employees in it that all get a yeah. paycheck from Yeah, that's me. fantastic. And so, I yeah, and... People, you know, don't tell me you, you, you can't be proud of that. You can't, you, you know, you, if you create something and, and, you, and you've worked hard to build something and to make something of yourself, you should Absolutely. be proud. And you should. One of the things that gets should, me yeah. is that why aren't more of those uh, stories or, or uh, you know, those things highlighted? All it seems that we're shown is the you know the, the you know Seattle has a huge problem homeless problem right now like San Francisco too so it's like all we're told is about misery like there's no and why you can't do something 
but you're not we're not being shown we're not me because i know but the 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 masses aren't being shown the opposite of that of things that people who have made it and people who have worked and act, or overall just the benefit and reward of working of and this is controversial but learning english you know being able to being yeah. able to do that there is a lot to be said if you have the motivation to come here and learn the language and uh, appreciate the culture it's not perfect i mean a lot of times when i defend when when i defend the, the, uh, you know our just our country i get told well it's like this problem and this problem it's like i never said it was perfect uh, nothing is perfect but the ability and the opportunity is there you just sort of have to you just have to go for it and and not expect to be given anything did you hear about the whole learn to code uh, fiasco yeah. <laughs> That with that whole thing, it basically, for the audience that hasn't heard about it, it was basically this um, this Twitter thing that started uh, because uh, I think that there was a lot of people that were from factory jobs or something that were being laid off, um, and there was this movement of uh, people saying, you know, learn right. to code because uh, it's it's sort of the future, uh, you know, programming and all that. There's always going to be programming jobs in the future. Because computers are yeah. everywhere. And so there was that. And then the media picked up on that. And I think some of the the more left-leaning were were basically saying that it was an attack on people that were laid right. off. That, like, how, you dare know, you? Of, <laughs> how, how dare you <laughs> treat these poor victims like they have any ability to change the outcome of their lives? Hey. How dare you do that? I mean, Twitter started banning people for saying exactly. learn to code. So it became like... <laughs> This real war on on some some ridiculous nonsense that shouldn't have ever right. gotten to that point. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about that stuff forever um, because there's so many examples of that type of nuttiness. Uh, and the you know, Mike, thank you so much for your time. I've I've taken up quite a bit of it. Uh, I will actually my plan for this was to have a conversation out there with you that is positive <laughs> that <laughs> that shows you know probably and i'm sure that there's a ton of content out there that shows you're not in the spotlight because of a certain thing but like basically to 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 for you to be able to talk to someone without having them you know accuse you of anything or you know be just be silly and mm, that <laughs> never happens because i think you know it, it, as i go through all of this i you know you're a completely you're a fascinating guy you make a fantastic product, uh, a fantastic show, which people can listen to for free. And mm -hmm. I wanted to share that. Uh, so I, I think we we accomplished that. But if you ever if if we ever do talk again, it would be awesome to talk about um, since we talk since we spoke a little bit about the 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 Latin and the Mexican stuff. Um, are you familiar with the John Leguizamo show, uh, Latin American History for Morons? I have not seen that. Um, no. Well, we, we should. We, it would be really interesting to to have a conversation about that because uh, it's you know I, I had seen it on PBS. They showed it on PBS, but he was here in Seattle for one night, and then I'm like, you know what? It would be super cool to see John Leguizamo on stage to do the show. So I went, and it it, it was just a it was just a really unique experience. Um, so if you if you check that out, I mean, put it put it in your yeah. queue somewhere to ch to check it out. Uh, but again, thank you for your time. Um, your show is Sword and Scale, the best true crime podcast. Actually, best all around podcast 
out there. It really is. Thank you. Um, and then there's also a Sword and Scale Daily uh, that is, is, well, it's every day and it covers uh, news and, and cases from all over the world, I believe, correct? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, all over the place. And is the, and, and I should know this and I apologize for not, is the Rewind? Yeah. Sword and Scale Rewind, basically it's a recap, uh, a lighter lighter show with uh, Stephanie Wilder Taylor and Matt Fondelier and they they cover each episode okay. uh, and basically go over go over it again but in a more right. lighthearted manner and they they insert their own opinions and thoughts on on the story. Yeah, then so I'll put links to all of those um is there anything is there any part given my <laughs> goal here to show a to show a cuddly Mike <laughs> Well, I got a little, yeah, I got a little heated there. Sorry. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I just reminded the, you just go to his feed and look how much, look how much he appreciates his, the, the ducks. I mean, you mentioned ducks earlier. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But like that reminded me when I asked about the robe, it just reminded me of Tony Soprano. Cause that was, uh, in, yeah, everybody yeah, brings that up. That was, <laughs> that was one of the big things of that particular season. Well, again, you know what's funny though? What's funny though is I recently got a little duckling for my fiance and I to to raise. Actually, we got a, a pair of them, and uh, just inadvertently, we got exactly the same breed as oh. Tony Soprano <laughs> did in that first episode. Yeah, that's awesome. So you're yeah. I didn't even know until I I watched it again. I was like, oh my god, that's, that's the same, same exact type duck. of duck. <laughs> so. That's nuts. That's awesome. So would you? What parting words would you like to give people? To, uh, you know, when people listen to this and they're like, Mike Bidet, maybe I don't know who, who he is. I don't know what the short and, sword and scale is. What would you want people to think about you? I, I would say, I don't know about me necessarily, but I think just in general, I, I would just throw this out there. I'd be like, um, you know, next time you do go online, um, whatever that social media platform is, you may not see the people that you're talking to or talking at face to face. You may not be able to look into their eyes and see what what they what they're all about. But realize that there's another human being at the end of that uh, keyboard and screen, uh, and they they're going through their own lives too. They're going through their own things. That you, you know everybody has their own stories and and their own heartaches and their own issues and. Just keep that in mind next time you go online and uh, don't be a jerk. <laughs> so That should be some merch. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, again, Mike, thank you so much for taking time. I know that I went way over the amount that I uh, said I was going to do, but I super appreciate it. Hopefully um, I didn't sound like a, a nervous Nelly because I, I, my palms have been sweating <laughs> this whole time of, of like, what do I say? Um, <laughs> I appreciate it. I had a great time, Carlos. Thank you so much. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll be seeing you guys later. All right. Adios. Take care.